Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Buino. I'm a psychotherapist, teacher, consultant, and most importantly, a wounded healer, living and working in Chicago, Illinois. On this show, I interview folks in a variety of healing professions, and we discuss the intersectional journey of healing self while caring for others. We're not just focused on individual healing, but also healing on the collective level from white supremacy, late-stage capitalism, and the patriarchy. Thanks for joining us. OMG, you guys, I've got Anne with me. Hello. (laughs) Okay, but before we start talking about ourselves, we're changing it up a little bit, you guys. We're going to have a little structure. I'm not really a structure person, but in order to make things easier for both Anne and I, we are implementing structure. So here it is. Beginning of every podcast, we're going to talk about ways you can support the podcast because we love you and we need your help. And we're not going to be labor, but I will just share with you. So you can buy merch. So the lovely people over at Tee Public have some merch for us. You can go to tinyurl.com slash CWH merch. That's C-W-H-M-E-R-C-H. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcast which is super duper helpful, makes us look like we're somewhat legitimate and know what we're talking about, which we appreciate oh so much. And you could also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash convos with a wounded healer. And there you can donate as little as a dollar a month and you have our undying gratitude. And if you live in the U.S., I will send you a welcome gift if you become a Patreon member. And who knows, maybe Anne will start sending welcome gifts too, but I'm not going to force her to do that right now. I can probably only send within the UK because of (laughs) Brexit. Oh, is that? Oh, I mean, I could I could send outside the UK. (laughs) Then it would be hard. It would be. Yeah, it would be a drama. Yeah. But at any rate, we thank you for your appreciation, even if it is just energetic. We feel that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, Anne, how are you today? I'm just excited to be here today. I was feeling a bit low energy. But starting the podcast with you has been really exciting. And so I've just got a really natural uplift going on right now. Oh, good. Well, I'm happy to be part of that. And I hear the little birds chirping so happily behind you, which is lovely. Yeah, I'm in the, um, they call it a conservatory here. We call it like a green room. The conservatory. Conservatory. <laughs> and we've got, we've got lots of birds and trees. And yeah, I live in a nice little nature part of Brighton, so. That's so beautiful. Yeah. How are you doing, Sarah? I love it. I'm good. So I was debating whether we should talk about this at all. But so what I'm not going to do is say the name of the organization. But if you're friends with me on Facebook and just friends, then you have seen me put very slyly posting, but not about the organization, because I don't know if someone's going to like show up at my house with a stun gun and like <laughs> erase all my memories if I say what I did. But but I presented to a very major U.S. government organization last week and I'm like, I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling myself because that was a big deal and yeah. it went so well. And I just feel really positive about the future of my career. And it makes me I get to help a lot of people and that feels really fucking good. I mean, it's just exciting to to watch you do that. And it's exciting to know that this government organization is interested in learning more about the work you do. It gives me a little bit of hope for our governmental yeah. organization. Yeah. Well, and the the I guess the impetus for it is apparently the head of the organization is specifically trying to create a cultural shift where there's a, a recognition that it's okay not to be okay. And hey. so this, they they had an alcohol and substance abuse awareness event. And last year was the first year they did it. And then this year they did it again. And so this was, it's really all a hope to make it a more humane place to work. That's great. Which is pretty wild. Really? Yeah. UK government organizations, if you're looking for something similar, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. Yes. Yes, yes. Or Sarah could also be here. We could mm-hmm. fly her over. Absolutely. It's I'm very cost effective. I don't eat that much. I don't fly first class. I mean, I would if you'd pay for it. You can sleep at my house. Perfect. Done. All right. UK organizations, government, bring us over. <laughs> 
Well, anyway, let's talk about what's more important. And that is you are an amazing podcast host. Did you know it? Oh, thanks. I felt it in my heart, but it's nice to have the confirmation. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was so cool. I listened to it mostly in the shower. And I just like every time I'm going to say this and it's going to sound narcissistic, but you interview just like me. And I don't know if that's just because you're listening to me interview and you're copying me, but I'm guessing it's more intuitive that you're just being you. So fun fact, my dad was a radio news host in Columbus, Ohio. Really? And I spent a solid amount of time as a kid at the radio station. Holy shit. So I come by it honestly. You do. Um, Yeah. Well, there you have it. That makes so much sense. I just... Yeah. Your conversation with Dee was fantastic. Dee was the absolute perfect guest. I already messaged her on Instagram and told her how much I love her. And if I ever make it over there, I need to meet her and do some. Oh, you two would get along so well. Yes. Yes, we would. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just loved it. And um, what was the term she used? Fanny flutters? Fanny flutters. <laughs> Which revisit this beginning at the end of the episode when she says yeah. it. It's but it was really, really funny. And thank you for unpacking that because yes, uh UK folks refer to uh vaginas as fannies. Yeah, sometimes, not always. Right. Uh but it it is it is a second language, even though yes. it is not actually a second language. Right. So yeah. There's a lot of those that I sometimes have to go. <laughs> Yeah, but you just did a really beautiful job of inviting her authenticity to the table and getting out of the way, but then also bringing yourself in at moments that the joining between the two of you, the relationship between the two of you was so evident and so heartfelt. And I know you two are friends, but I'm also guessing you're just going to do that with every guest you have. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So I know that adding a new host to the show can be a shock for listeners. And some folks might be like, I don't know, do I want to listen to Anne? You do. I mean, I'm biased, but you do. And I think you're going to end up with your own spinoff podcast and doing all sorts of amazing, wonderful things. And I can say I knew you when. That's right. That sounds very intimidating. (laughs) <laughs> so I'll stick with this podcast for now. Okay, fine. Uh, yeah. But cool. who knows what the future holds. Exactly. But shall I introduce Dee while we're Go for it. while we're talking about her? Yeah. So Dee Albert is a London-based UKCP registered psychotherapist and trainee supervisor. She offers both long and short-term therapy and group and individual supervision. She focuses on navigating the impact of racism, the challenges of personal and cultural identity, and empowering women. And you'll hear her talk more about some of the non-psychotherapy work that she does in the podcast, too. So please enjoy Anne's excellent, amazing conversation with Dee Albert. Therapists who are new grads, I have an offer for you. Being a therapist is not for the faint of heart, especially in our current global circumstances. And in order to develop into a grounded and seasoned clinician, early career therapists need support to learn how to care for themselves while working with clients. I've created a group offering for new therapists who want to build a solid foundation for their career. This process slash support group will explore the themes of professional identity, the hazards of psychotherapy, burnout, compassion fatigue, and wellness, all within the context of liberation and social justice. We'll meet twice a month for six months on Zoom. You can also get CEUs generously sponsored by Chicago Compass Counseling. The group will start as soon as we generate enough participants. Therapists who have less than two years postgraduate experience are welcome, whether you're a social worker, counselor, psychologist, or marriage and family therapist. For details and to begin registration, visit tinyurl.com slash new therapist group. Dee, welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself and who you are, what you do, all your amazing skills, talents. 
Oh, thank you. So I am Dee, aka Danea. I am a psychotherapist and holistic practitioner. And what I mean by that is that I am a practicing, a shamanic student, I would say, because I think I'm going to be practicing, I'm going to be a student of shamanism for the rest of my life. And I also do massage therapy. I do yoni steaming. I run cacao ceremonies. So just incorporating my spirituality with my psychotherapy. Hmm. That's me. <laughs> and you run retreats. Yeah, which I have now decided to call holistic getaways. Love it. Reason being, I found a lot of the time with people, when I mentioned the word retreat to people, they get the impression that they're going to be coming and doing yoga. Although there may be an element of yoga on my retreats, it's more about incorporating psychotherapy with spirituality. So it's really about incorporating those psychotherapeutic skills mm -hmm. to support individuals from one place to another. But it's about using spirituality to really harness that individual power and really encouraging people to know that they can actually heal themselves. And I find I'm able to do that more through using my spiritual experience and shamanic tools. Hmm. So I'm just, I'm going to say how you and I met. So Dee and I met on a transcultural supervision group run by Dr. Aisha McKenzie Mavinga, who has also been a guest on this podcast. So shout out to Dr. Aisha. And so I don't know how you felt. The moment I saw you, I was like, she and I, that's it. We're sisters. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, we're working together. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. And we were just immediately connected. And I'm so happy that as each of our sort of professional journeys evolves, we're able to kind of weave in and out together. And, and having you on this podcast is a huge part of that, actually. So... Yeah, it's really lovely to reflect back on our journey as well, like you say, to those beginnings when we were in a supervision group and getting excited and bringing our clients and crying and, mm. and growing and really moving. There was so much movement in those supervision groups. There, were, we, yeah. there was never a stale or stagnant moment. And it just really made me think about that's where I really found authenticity. Mm in that group where we just laid it bare this is it this is it this is it this is this is me <laughs> <laughs> you know we just laid it all out on the table it was such yeah. a beautiful way to meet you in particular yeah i think that group was probably one of the most transformational things about the work that i have done and will do as a therapist but was also very transformational to me and investigating so many parts of myself and also having the space to kind of explore all the scary, shadowy parts of myself in presence of other people. Yeah, it was so important. And you were very much a witness to that. And, and I got to witness you. And, and like you said, that authenticity that's how we really connected, isn't it? Definitely. And I think that's one of the things that I really admired about you. I think one of the challenges I've had in my training as a psychotherapist, especially working with white people, I found that when they try to connect and align with me as a black woman, they usually just miss the mark because they're frankly just trying too hard. And I think what worked for me and you was the fact that you were just authentic. You were like, shit, I get stuff wrong. Shit, I don't know what to say. <laughs> you weren't afraid to ask questions, you know, and I weren't afraid to say that I don't know how any of this works. You know, we're talking about race, yeah. you know, this social construct that we didn't create. We are people here just trying to connect and to learn and to grow. And there was a lot of healing in that space mm -hmm. as well. You know, it wasn't just about us learning about ourselves through our client work it was also about us healing in the connection that we made with each other through our work it's so true and i'm really curious how you take your own healing and everything you learn and bring that back to your client work to your shamanic work and incorporating your spirituality absolutely i mean they don't call us wounded healers for nothing yeah 
I'm very, very good at supporting others. I am the self-care queen. Look after yourself, self-care. Self-care is not just about doing a pedicure or manicure. It's about getting connected with yourself. It's about connecting with your yoni. It's about connecting with your spirituality, your sexuality, your sensuality. But then I realized that, oh my God, when last did I do that for myself? So I'm constantly reminded that a basic TA principle being a transactional analysis psychotherapist, if I'm okay, you're okay. I'm okay, you're okay. I have got to be okay in order to do this work. And there are times when I'm running on empty and don't even realize it. I keep going, keep going, keep going and think to myself, oh my God, what's wrong? Like, you know, it's as though I forget where I am sometimes. I forget that I have to constantly heal myself and I think the last definitely the last six months has all been about coming back to me coming back to who I am coming back to taking care of myself through my spirituality really using things like meditation using my shamanic training going for healings myself having things like illumination done massages really that hands-on therapy that works well for me when people touch me I heal (laughs) you know (laughs) it's uh, you know I think this is it's such an important thing to say because our method of psychotherapy is very hands-off isn't it you know and and it's almost like taboo you do not touch your clients but for some people hands-on healing is so important, actually. Absolutely. And I think that was one of the main challenges I had with incorporating my spirituality into my psychotherapeutic practice. I qualified as a counsellor in 2015 and went on to do a master's in psychotherapy. And one of the challenges I had from the moment I started training was this square box that I was trying to fit into, which was a very Western white male way of training, way of being. And I couldn't be that Western white male being of Caribbean heritage, growing up in West London in a very multicultural Mm. um, community. I could only be me. And that was just like D from West London, (laughs) you know, that's who I was. I didn't understand when theories were presented to me, I couldn't grasp theory I had to feel it when people would talk about things like transference and countertransference how we transfer things onto other people and I'm like what does that what does that mean and then when I actually feel it when I'm like oh my gosh you know I'm feeling I'm reacting in a certain way I'm like oh that's transference that's countertransference that's projective identification I had to feel it in my body in order to understand it. Maybe another form of training, another form of psychotherapy may have been more suited to me, you know, maybe more transpersonal, maybe more body therapy, something like that. I'm grateful for the journey that I have had. But, you know, it just makes me, it made me realise that there's so much more to psychotherapy than reading a book and writing a damn essay. You know, I had to feel my way into who I am as a psychotherapist. And now I know I cannot be a psychotherapist without incorporating spirituality, that energy that exists between two people that I cannot explain is spiritual. When my client comes through the door and I'm thinking, oh, what's going on with them today? I can't explain that. That's just an energy that just is. That's the energy in all things. You know, and that's really important to me, but I really struggled to incorporate the two because it was, it just didn't exist. It didn't exist in my training. What do you think that that does for, especially in the UK? And I just want to mention, because I think we have a lot of American listeners. So in the UK, there's a incredibly large Caribbean, Black Caribbean population and people who are of Caribbean descent. And a large population of people who are from Africa as well. And what do you think that that does to people who are not from the UK, from Europe, from the United States, who come from different backgrounds and different traditions when they come to access this training? 
I think it totally isolates us. It just makes us feel like we don't belong. The dropout rate for African and Caribbean students is very, very high in the psychotherapeutic world. You know, so the evidence is there. It just, it's a platform, it's an environment that whitewashes us out. And we've had to work very hard to make our mark. But what's more important to me is about using its white foundation and making it my own. It's not about eradicating what exists already because that's what you know i feel sometimes whitewashing tries to do to myself as a black woman but it's not about eradicating that it's about building on it and making it my own Mm -hmm. that's what i think has really been the most important part of my journey i can't not know what i know i can't throw away the four years of ta psychotherapeutic training that i had it has served me extremely well all i needed to do was to sprinkle it with a little bit of spice (laughs) (laughs) i needed to spice it up it needed color it needed flavor it needed seasoning you know it's like you know you give me a dish and i'm like "Mm, this dish is looking pretty bland that never happens in the uk what are you talking about What are you talking? Of course, of course it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. Jeez, we had to we had to bring some seasoning over from the Caribbean to put in these courses. <laughs> to put in the UK, we just keep bringing those spices. But that's, you, I, you know, I think it's the perfect analogy, isn't it? Like the more flavor you bring to anything, in my opinion, the better it is, whether it's food, whether it's training, whether it's we all learn from each other and we can create something that's all of us. But it's also been about not being afraid to, because I really felt because the training was so at times blah, really bland. I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't know how to bring myself. And, you know, I'd write essays and they're saying, you're not bringing yourself. And I'm like, well, just talk to me. If you just talk and I don't have to write it down, then I can express because I can use my body. I talk with my body. I talk with my hands. I talk with my, I talk with my hips and dips. I talk with everything. I talk with my whole being, you know, and that's how I express myself. When you ask me to put all of this juiciness onto paper, I find it very difficult to translate. Very difficult to translate. It does a disservice, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, you're not getting the best of me. Can we do like an audio or something or a visual? <laughs> a visual so you can you can get that. <laughs> you know, you can really get you know, I can really give you the juice. I find it very difficult to do in writing. And I was told that when I write, my writing has a rhythm to it. It's like poetry. Hey, what can I say? I am poetic. You are poetic. (laughs) So trying to transfer, translate that sort of passionate, colourful, spicy poetry into academic writing, I was really challenged with that. Um, So I didn't feel as, I didn't know how to bring myself to my work. And it took me a long time. I think I started writing great essays in the third year, you know, so the first two years was like a practice run (laughs) of how to do this, you know? It is hard. So let's talk about the spice and the juice that you brought into it. Tell me about the flavor that you sprinkled on top of that theory. Y'all can't see her right now. She's doing a little (laughs) dance over here for her spice and her juice. Yeah, the spice and the juice. The spice and the juice was confidence. As I grew in my training, I became more confident. By the time I qualified as a counsellor in 2015, I was like, okay, I've done that bit. I've done that bit. I've jumped through hoops. I've I've done what I was asked to do. But if I'm going to continue this training for another three years, I can't do anything but just to throw down the gauntlet. I had to find a way to just be me, which is why I went and into Dr. Aisha McKenzie's 
supervision group, this transpersonal supervision group, which really made me look at myself. Who are you as a psychotherapist? Mm. Who are you? What is your identity? Not the labels that people put on you as a black woman, a white woman, etc. Who the hell are you? And how do you bring yourself to this environment? And to me, I've just had to just continue to build blocks onto that. And as I've grown in my confidence, as I've grown in my spiritual practices, it's just given me more and more opportunities to just step into who I am. So that's how I bring the juice. I bring the confidence. I'm my authentic self. And it's been a, God, has it been a slog. It has been so tiring to find myself as a woman and to find myself as a psychotherapist at the same time. My profession you know, this is what I kind of do for full time and trying to not get bored of this. I had to bring the seasonings, you know, because it's just like if you go, if you go on holiday and I know when, when I go on holiday, I really miss my barren pepper. And that is a, that's a pepper sauce from St. Lucia. If my food hasn't got it on it, I'm like, Oh my God, I miss my barren, you know, but I, um, the spice, I am the juice and I'm bringing me everywhere I go. So I want people to get the best of me. And the best of me is when I am being my authentic self, when I'm not trying to fit into these square holes that people feel that we should fit into. You know, I turn up and I'm like, I'm D Albert, psychotherapist. And they kind of like, look, oh, oh, okay. Yes, I have on a pink head wrap. Or I might have an uh, African print head wrap and I've got my nails painted in, in funky colours because that's just how we bring the spice, right? Mm. I can still do the work, but you're going to get it spiced up. <laughs> I think that's what attracts people to you and why as your sort of assistant slash yoga teacher on, yes. on your retreat, yes. <laughs> what I got to witness yeah. was what drew people to you and it was that authenticity and it was the confidence and the boldness of you to bring all of your gifts all of your practices your your whole self and i think it's very rare and very brave to bring your your whole self into that space and also to let others uh, like play with it i don't know what i don't know what the term i want but bask in it i don't know get into it. I hear you. And to me, I think that retreat, holistic getaway that we did in, in 2022 really gave me an opportunity to play with all that I am. I'm constantly talking to my clients and my supervisees about bringing their whole selves. Um, I talk to my children about bringing your whole self, like, where's the rest of you? Like, you, you know, did you leave that part at home? Did you leave that part of school? How do we get all of you in this, mm. in this space? People, you know, my daughter's like, mom, I can't squeeze myself in it, you know, because we're big. Mm. And sometimes when we come into spaces, it's like, you're too big, you're too loud, you're too colorful, you're too expressive. So spending a lot of time trying to condense myself down, running my own getaways, gave me an opportunity to just burst out and say hey this is who I am and I love mm. it you know just learning about the lockdown 2020 really gave me an opportunity like everybody else to stay still but I stayed so still you know I had other therapists saying what are we gonna do should we run groups should we do stuff online I was like nope I'm just gonna go and sit I'm not sure what's happening in the world right now so I just want to be still because I didn't want to move with that current I didn't want to move with we have to do this we can't do that because I was just like let's just mm -mm, no let's just be still and in that stillness I found a spiritual community I found women online on Facebook who were talking about crystals and meditations and angels and incorporating that with business and I was I thought to myself what the hell who are these people who are being so bold and so fearless bringing all of this um which they would refer to at times as woo woo because that's what it seems to as the as the outside world people believe in angels and if you follow these numbers it's a path of breadcrumbs what are you talking about angel numbers what is that but i realized that it was a world that an environment 
a sense of being that really, really resonated mm-hmm. with me. I got it. I got it. It made sense. It had colour. It had passion. It had movement. It had spice. And I really got it. And I was able to really grow in those facility that environment was really able to flourish and it gave me an opportunity to look back at my first encounter of ayahuasca in 2019 and you know actually say to myself oh that was okay that was okay because all that sort of craziness that I thought I saw was real to me the messages that I received in those journeys, those experiences were real to me. I saw my life presented to me. I was able to think outside of myself and see myself for who I could really be, what I'm here to do. And it's just been, honestly, I just, I, I could just be here for hours. Just, I can't be anything other than who I am. I've realized is that I don't even know who that might be from day to day. I just wake up and I just am. And I think that there's a lot of courage and passion and and energy that goes into activating that full version of yourself every single day, especially as you say, I don't know who that's going to be every day. But you say yes to whatever comes like more than anyone I know, I think you say yes. Oh, you want to do? Th- yeah, okay. Oh, I was just thinking about that. I'll do that. Yeah. And I think that that energy, it's contagious, it's infectious. And I'm really interested, if you don't mind telling us a bit more about your shamanic practice and how you came to it and what it, what your training is like, what it means for you and how you kind of weave that in. It's a lot of questions all at once. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I hear that. So we're going to approach it from this way. So I was introduced to um, this this journey of plant medicine by um, a a friend of mine who used to do my my colonic hydrotherapy and just talking about mother and connecting with Mother Earth, etc. And it just really never resonated to me until one day I just turned around and said, I'm ready. (laughs) I felt ready. I felt this little voice inside of me saying, Dee, come, you're ready now. And I was introduced to ayahuasca in the most beautiful way, a beautiful Peruvian shamanic journey of love, of compassion, of nature, of just connecting with the earth in a way that I honestly, I can't put into words. Mm. But I remember after my ceremony and and people asked me, you know, how was your journey? And I was like, was I supposed to go somewhere? Because these songs were really nice. I'm I'm totally here. (laughs) But I I don't know what you're talking Mm. about with regards to journey. But um, when I was um, sitting and reflecting the following day, I just kept hearing this name, Danea. And I kept writing it over and over and over again onto a piece of paper. And when I went into the ceremony, I asked, who am I? Meaning like, who am I? Who are my people? Like, where do I actually come from? Am I West African, East African, etc.? Where do we come via St. Lucia? And I thought that I was actually told the name of my higher self, Danea. There's still parts of my spirituality about my journey, etc. that I can't explain. But what I've realized is that I've got to a point now where I don't want to explain. It just is. Because what I did find is that this journey with plant medicine really introduced me to this energy, this part of myself that was so connected to the earth. It just moves. I would just move. I would get direction and I would just move. I saw myself yoni steaming. And I I remember thinking and I remember hearing this voice in my heart just saying, you must support women, heal the women and they will be able to heal the men. I spent a lot of time trying to work with men in barbershops, etc. And this message that I kept receiving over and over again is heal the women, she will heal the men. Like in other words, stop trying to do everything, just focus on this. Focus on yoni steaming, focus on meditation. And I thought, yoni steaming, like what is that? This yoni steaming kept coming to me. I saw myself sitting over what seemed like heated herbs and I had to literally come away from ceremony and go and do some research and go, 
oh, this is what yoni steaming is, where women literally sit over hot water seeped in herbs, seeped in warm water. And you would sit over that and it would nourish the yoni, the yoni, the vagina, the uterus, the womb, and offer healing, offer release. And over time, what I have realized is that when I incorporate yoni steam and with shamanic healing, something magical happens. I just know that I had to go and investigate and explore yoni steaming for myself. It was something I did for myself. And the messages I then received was that you've got to do this with other women as well. And something magical just happened. It just kind of happened. I invited women to my space, to my therapy room to come and have a, a yoni steam. And I just found that what I mean by shamanic healing is that I'm able to see energies in individuals. I was able to see energies in rooms that I realized that I was able to move with my hands. I was able to move with chanting. I was able to support individuals to feel better. I can't explain that. And I think if I spend time trying to explain that, that's why I probably drive myself crazy. I don't have time for that. I've got work to do. <laughs> I think there's also something to be said for more traditional, and by traditional, I mean older healing practices that come from cultures that have been colonized. There's something to be said for not having to explain it to a Western audience, because quite honestly, you know, when you say things like, oh, it's it's woo woo, it's almost like tapering it for people who grew up in a sort of Anglo-Christian like yeah. mindset, mm -hmm. right? And so what I learned from watching you perform this, what do we want to call it? A ceremony, a ritual? Mm -hmm. Ceremonies, yeah. Yeah. What I learned from watching you perform this, because in all honesty, and, and I had told you this ahead of time, I wasn't sure, right? I was like, anyone's method of healing is anyone's method of healing. I am not here to tell anybody yes or no. I'm not going in as a skeptic. I'm going in with an open mind. But I don't know that this is what resonates personally for me. But I am here to help you facilitate whatever is going on. My biggest takeaway was how much we as a culture have lost through colonization, through eradication of traditional indigenous tribal healing methods. Because watching you work, movement was happening. Shifts were happening. The people in the room were responding in a way I, y'all, I cannot describe and I won't describe for the safety of the people in the room. Absolutely, yeah. But it was transformational to watch. And, and I was really left going. We've lost so much as a culture by saying this is right, this is wrong. And then, you know, when I kind of narrowed it down then, what have we lost to the 50 minute therapy hour where I sit on the opposite side of the room? You know what I mean? I can totally relate to that. You know, as I said, I didn't grow up um, with these cultures and my training is the Peruvian medicine wheel. A lot of people ask me, you know, why are you not doing African centered spirituality? I'm just, hey, I'm just following, I'm just following the path that I am drawn to. Who knows what my past life or where my actual history, where my story began. All I know is that it really resonates with me. And what I've experienced on this shamanic journey is that it incorporates all that is. It incorporates Hinduism, it incorporates Buddhism, it incorporates energy. Shamanism, spirituality has no colour. It has no colour. That is totally a social contract. It has no male or female. It's masculine and feminine. You know, when I started doing yoni steaming, for example, I didn't know that my mom knew about yoni steaming. My mom said, oh, yes, you know, 
she knew about Yoni theming. She talked about my grandmother, my grandmother's spirituality, saying that she felt that people used to fear my grandmother because she had these gifts that she, she couldn't explain, but she knew she could use them to support people. And I'm like, wow. Your mom and your grandma are from St. Lucia. Yeah. You know, I never met my grandmother. My mum came over to the UK as part of the Windrush generation coming over from the Caribbean, looking for, for work and under the invite of the British Empire for a better life for themselves. You know, arrived to very uncomfortable conditions, but she left some of her sisters in the Caribbean her mother had already moved to Trinidad. Her mother passed away in Trinidad and my mom never saw her mother again. I knew very little about my grandmother growing up. In fact, I never met any of my grandparents. I knew very little about my grandparents. All I knew was my parents. I never met my grandparents. There were very few pictures of them. I only ever saw a photo of my grandfather on my dad's side. There were no photos of my grandmother, my grandfather on my, my mom's side and my dad's mother. I've never seen a picture of her to this day. So there's a large portion of our story missing. And that story is seeped in determination and forthrightness and spirituality and passion. The love story between my grandmother and my grandfather about people trying to split them up and them wanting to stay together. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I would just not know this. And it just makes me think, oh, maybe that's where I get my kind of passion from. Maybe that's where I kind of get this energy to help people in a very different way. Don't get me wrong. Not my clients don't always come here for yoni steaming. My clients come here for psychotherapy first and foremost. But what you then get is, hey, there's this as well that can help you. An oracle card reading, if you feel like it. Come to a cacao ceremony, which is another plant medicine, which you we drink and we meditate and it opens up the heart chakra, really helps my clients to get in touch with their authentic feelings and be able to talk about it. And we can then incorporate that. So there's so many layers to the way I work. And I'm so confident and so passionate about being my authentic self and incorporating all that I am into my work that I've actually recently just shut down my website. There's just a holding page now as I rewrite myself because what I've realized over the last, what I was, I qualified in 2015, it's what now, 2023, hey, do, do the math. In that time, I was trying to fit into this box, trying to be something else, evolving into something else on my own journey of healing, separation, divorce, having two children. Oh my gosh, so much going on. I was also evolving. I was also healing. I was also growing. So my kind of mantra when I'm working with people is that we're going on a journey to learn, to heal and to grow. That's been my journey. I'm still on that journey and it's, it's cyclical. Go around, learn, heal, grow, learn, heal, grow, learn, heal, grow. <laughs> you know, and we do it again and again and again and again. But every time we do it, we kind of move a level, we shift the level, we go down a level, you know, we get into the deepness of who we are. I've, I'm now at a stage where I am just rewriting myself. And what I mean is that I am rewriting how I present myself to the world, who the face that I put forward. So when you go on my website, you may not see me in, um, a dress and sitting sideways and getting that perfect photo. <laughs> you, you know, when you think about it, look at therapists' website photos. Look at their profile photos. We have like a plain background or they may be outdoors and everybody's just sitting. Uh, not mine. I'm just going to throw that out there. Okay, great, <laughs> great. But is that because you've learned about your authentic self and you're not afraid to bring your authentic self forward? Because the majority of us look at the websites, you'll see it. Similar to what you're doing now, I my very first thought was, I cannot misrepresent who is going to be sitting in the therapy chair. And who is going to be sitting in the therapy chair as someone who's very colorful, very goofy, who can be serious, but also like, you're not going to get a silence 
someone sitting there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when I got my pictures taken, that's exactly what I said to the photographer. We are not here to create the image of a therapist. We are here to create the image of me. Mm. And when I started out, I was still trying to fit into that box. I was still trying to fit into like, oh, is, is this who I'm supposed to be? That was in 2015. A lot has happened in that time. There's been so much growth down in a, a worldwide, whatever you want to call it, pandemic. God knows that standstill. I just call it mm. this stillness. And it was worldwide. And what I learned from that was don't be afraid to be in the stillness because there's just so much more juiciness to come from when we're still. I use silence in my therapy to give clients an opportunity just to just pause on that moment. Just pause on what you've just said. Just pause so you can actually hear yourself. You know, let that vibrate in your body. What does that feel like? What you just said. To me, that is just working with the energy of who they are. How can we then use that energy to help create change, to help create that movement that you actually recognize? Mm, the movement that you actually recognize. Yeah, because it happens all the time. We're constantly moving. We're constantly evolving. We're constantly growing. But if we're not still enough, we're not going to recognize that movement. And that, you know, it's every once in a while you say things that hit something in me through one of the sort of languages that works for me, which is yoga. And as a yoga teacher and as someone who, a yogi, I don't love that word, but someone who practices yoga a movement that you recognize is a movement. It's, you know, you're not just going from downward dog to standing up. You flow through the transition. The transition is the movement that you reckon. What is it like to move from point A to point B? Can you slow it down? Can you create that space? Absolutely. And people do it in therapy without even realizing. And this is why sometimes we really do have to slow down the process. I have to slow down my process because I am all about, oh my God, look at this, you're changing. This, this is yeah. so great. You know, I get yeah. so excited for my clients. I, uh, you know, I get excited for my clients. I cry for my clients. I jump up and down for my clients. I get high five for my clients. You know, you've done great. Just stop a second to see how far you've come in the last 15 minutes, to see how far you've come in the last six weeks, to see how far you've mm -hmm. come in the last six months. You know, let's just reflect on that. When you came, you were here. Yeah. And now you're here. See this movement? Recognize this movement? Be in this. That energy that kind of sustains us when we can kind of like, mm, yeah, I'm juicy. I'm gorgeous. I have hips. I have dips. I'm sexy. I'm sensual. When they can sit in all that they are, that's where this kind of movement starts to happen. So many of us work you know, we're conditioned to just be good little girls. I know I was, I mean, I grew up, I was supposed to be a good girl, you know, be a good girl. And I've spoken to my younger sister about it on numerous occasions. What is this good girl? So what is it, all these things that we can't do? Oh my God, I'm so, I wish I'd, you know, woulda, coulda, should I know I am where I am because this is the time that I'm supposed to be here. But at 52, I'm learning so much about this juiciness that I wish I knew, you know, if I knew back then what I know now, geez, my goodness. If I knew that it was okay to touch my breast when I, when I want to touch my breast, if I knew it was okay to talk about this movement, if I knew it was okay to move when I want to move, if I knew it was okay to just be sensual and sexual without it being taboo, without being seen as like, you know, oh, one of those girls on like, you know, the hoochie videos, the hip hop videos, etc. But I just want to move in a certain way. I don't want to hurt anybody. I just want to move. I just want to move my hips a bit because this feels good. I want to teach other people how to move their hips because it feels good. And I don't talk linear. I move with the energy. 
You know, this conversation that I'm having with you today, I may not have with someone else tomorrow. This is how I am feeling right here, right now. Let's just learn how to just move with the energy and accept that that's okay. This is where we are right here, right now. And it's okay. I'm enough. You're mm-hmm. enough. We're enough. Constantly trying to strive to be something else. We don't know what we're striving to try and be. Frustrates the hell out of people. Mm. And I wonder if that's allowed you to have more organic transitions into different phases of your career, different practices that you pick up, just different sort of movements in your personal life. Giving myself permission to be has been a major part of my healing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been healing from my dad leaving the family home. It took me years years to heal from that Mm -hmm. i had no idea how it was seeping into my relationships i had no idea how it was sabotaging relationships but now being in therapy myself over the years and having that movement and having my movement reflected back to me you know you do this right i'm like god really take that mirror down (laughs) you know but having that (laughs) reflection my god do i having that mirror reflected back to me gave me permission to move, gave me even more permission to heal and to understand that my healing came in so many different forms. It came from dancing. It came from sitting and having conversations with my mother about her story, her journey. It came from sitting with the women in my family and talking about menopause and introducing them to yoni steaming and cacao and conversations about our our yonis and our vaginas that we never had when we were growing up we didn't talk about our periods Mm. you just had it you just put a pad on you just get on with it but we didn't ever talk about the fact that it's making me feel kind of crazy you know i'm not sure what's going on here we didn't have those sort of conversations was it a family script was it cultural maybe but i know that that has all become part of my healing meditation has become part of my healing ayahuasca has become part of my healing being with other people has become part of my healing so it's you know my wounds have been healed in so many different ways and there's so many different levels to my healing and what just came up for me as you were saying that was the combination Your healing has come from a combination of things and theories and practices and cultures. And I was wondering if that integration is almost healing in and of itself for someone who grew up in one country when your family is from another and you had to create your own identity through integration and through picking which parts of different cultures. Do you see what I'm saying? I feel my identity has grown as I have grown. Mm. I only knew what I knew. I only knew that I grew up in an extended family with uncles and aunts and cousins and brothers and sisters all in the same household. Different families would have a, every family would have their room in our house. I knew of St. Lucia, I knew of the music, I knew of the food, I knew of the culture. So it was always part of who I am, who I've been, but I had to grow into into me and I just continued to evolve, you know? So my St. Lucian heritage is something that I embrace because it's it was always around me. I always knew it growing up in West London with so many different Oh my gosh, you know, having friends who, you know, who owned corner shops, having friends who were from Jamaica, from Uganda, from all over the world, from Ireland, from Scotland, just this melting pot of just people, Mm. people, but not denying the fact that I was drawn to my own. I was drawn to people who looked like me. I was drawn to people who had the same colour skin as me. And the intrigue that I had around that, like, why do I like to be around these people so much? Because they were part of my healing. Mm. They were part of my healing. Black people in my community were part of my 
healing and what I have learned like I said about my training it's not about changing that script that was given to me in my training as a psychotherapist from this white western point of view it's about building on that and adding the spice adding all of who I am to this journey and I am who I am today I am not the same woman I was five years ago I'm definitely not the same woman that I was 10 years ago I'm not the woman I'm probably going to be in five years. I'm just going to just let it flow. Mm. I'm just going to let it flow. And that's what I invite people who work with me to do. Let's just see what comes. There's no script. As you know, last year when we did the retreat, a lot of people say like, what are we going to be doing? I'm like, yeah, so right. So there's going to be stuff. We're going to be like looking at stuff around like (laughs) self-love. There's going to be like, yeah, we'll fit a fire ceremony in somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do that. We're going to be doing the only thing. Yeah, remember I said we're going to do, we're going to fit that in. There's definitely going to be lunch, breakfast and dinner. There's going to be some gorgeous food and just let's see what comes. And that's how, that was my script. Let's see what these beautiful queens, these women bring and let's just work with that. You know, there was very little scripting. And it felt very organic. It didn't feel like anything needed to be, you know, uh, this has to be done in this way. This has to be done at a certain time. This has to be done. It really allowed for the women there to just kind of have the reactions, the emotions, everything. It allowed for them to have them in their own way and in their own time. And I'm sure that your therapy clients receive that sort of same, and that in and of itself is healing. Because every day we're rushed from here to there, this has to, you deadlines and da 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 Allowing someone to just be in that space and to just grow at their own pace and to just to hear, it's okay to be who you are right now. And it's okay if you're not that person tomorrow. Absolutely. I mean, I really took heed when I received messages to just work with the women, heal the women, she will heal the men. You know, I took a step back from working with men and most of my work now is with women. And women need movement. Women needed to know that it was okay. They needed to see, know and hear that you are in a process of healing and it's okay. You need to know that you don't need to hide your tears. You need to know that it's okay to want to have a relationship with yourself. It's okay to want to be sexual and sensual and to know that's not just about sex. There's a difference there. You know, when you connect with this sexual energy that is inspiring, that burns in your stomach, that is creative, they need to know that it's okay when you feel mm-hmm. this excitement. You're like, ooh, 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 I'm feeling fanny flutters. You know, you're feeling this energy. <laughs> and you're like, no, but it's just, don't tell me you haven't felt that. But we don't use that word in the United States. So for, for American listeners, <laughs> we're just, I'm just going to pause. So for American listeners, in case you don't know, fanny is another word for vagina. <laughs> Yeah, vagina, yoni. I mean, I, I love, I love referring to all that we are now as, as a yoni. When you get that energy, that feeling, ooh, what is that? When you get that energy in your yoni, in the sacral chakra, in the root chakra, you know, that energy that helps you to create, you've got to sit with that, but you have to give mm-hmm. yourself time, give yourself permission to sit with that energy, sit with that knowing sit with who you are. You know, I just think to myself, if we're not still, how can I possibly create? How can I Mm. create these holistic getaways? How can I feel it in my heart? How can I be with my clients if I'm constantly, constantly moving? I just can't. I'm constantly healing. I'm constantly evolving. So, you know, I go through this stage where I just think to myself, oh my God, I just can't do anything. I'm just, I'm whacked. I'm just... so tired and I have to just stop I retreat I recoil I go back into myself I give myself a weekend or a couple of days where I'll steam I'll meditate I'll walk I'll connect with people who I love and who love me and who can nourish me 
we spend all of our time as therapists giving, 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 and it can be really depleting. I constantly have to fill my cup and I fill my cup with love. I fill my cup with the love of food, of the love of theater, the love of great conversation. It's something I think having met you so early on in my therapy doing days, therapying days. Yes, therapy days, yeah. (laughs) Has been very helpful to me in a multitude of ways, but I think I've learned from the lessons that you've learned in that I take my self-care very seriously. And it's a lesson I don't want to have to learn the hard way. And I've seen it, you know, in all of the therapists around me. You can tell when someone is burnt out and has nothing to give. You can see it when they're talking about their clients. You can you can hear it. And you know, my body is a really important part of how I work. I listen to my body signals. I listen to, you know, my felt sense so much. And if I'm not taking care of myself, the only messages I'm getting from my body are sit the fuck down, do nothing. And that's not in service to my clients, right? So I need to be able to quiet that voice to keep myself well, to keep myself full, to keep myself fed literally and figuratively, but mostly literally because you know I love my food. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> so much. Um, but it's a lesson that I have learned partially from watching you, and I'm very, very grateful. You've opened my eyes to so many things that I think I wouldn't have considered, I wouldn't have explored. And you've been a real model to me as a friend, as a practitioner, as a group mate on how to just accept and to say yes and to appreciate people where they're at. And that openness has been really awesome in the truest sense of the word to receive. And I'm so grateful to that and to you for being that. And I accept that, you know, it's very easy for people to say, oh, you know, stop, the stop, you know, all this flattery. Thank you. I take that. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I make you feel so juicy. You do. <laughs> well, Dee, we're wrapping up our hour. And I want to ask you, I know we've kind of touched on it, but how do you think the term wounded healer applies to you? When I think about the word wound, it makes me think of conversations that have impacted me. It makes me think of relationships that have impacted me, experiences that have impacted me. And when I think about healing, I'm constantly healing. So I'm absolutely a wounded healer, but not a wounded healer who is limping or who is lame or who is cowering in a corner, a wounded healer who is aware of her wounds and grows with her wounds and is happy to just keep on healing. Mm, Love that. I love that. Well, tell us where we get in touch with you. How How do we find you? Yeah, as I said at the beginning of this conversation, I have shut down. But what I am doing is rebuilding my website, which is www.room2talk.org because I feel that this is what I want to continue to do. I want to continue to give people space to have that room to talk. Um, So room2talk.org is where you will find most of my work. I will be starting a podcast in a couple of months. So that will also, you will also be able to find that information from roomtotalk.org. You know, look out for my holistic getaways. Come along to a cacao ceremony if you're in the UK. And even if you're not in the UK, you know, come over to one of my holistic getaways. There's going to be so much more coming in the next couple of months. And I'm just so excited about what's going to continue to emerge. Hmm. And uh, 
Where can we find you on TV? OMG. BBC Two or BBC iPlayer. As of the 6th of April, I am going to be in a series called Reunion Hotel, which was a beautiful opportunity to bring people together from so many different walks of life. Um, adoption stories, friendship stories, health stories, builders who built beautiful bathrooms for individuals, a, a little girl who had a, a really rare skin condition. It's all about reunion. So it's a, a TV series called Reunion Hotel on BBC iPlayer as of the 6th of April. So yeah, look out for that. Thank you, Anne. <laughs> I'm always looking out for you. I'm every time you do something, I'm like, yes, you did. <laughs> uh, find D on television, on the internet, on Instagram. What's your Instagram, D? Yeah, Instagram. You can get me at Room to Talk, or you can check out Red Lipstick Tribe on Instagram. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for coming on. It's been lovely having you. Pleasure. And lovely introducing you to our audience. So thanks, Dee. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Sarah Buino. And I'm Ann Remy. Thanks to our guests for an amazing conversation today. To find out more about today's guest, you can visit www.headheartbiztherapy.com slash podcast. You can find Sarah at, at Head Heart Biz Therapy on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find Anne at at Spare Room Wellness or spareroomwellness.com. Thanks as always to Andrea Clunder and the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for the album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Until next time, bye-bye.